Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Extraordinary Expletive. You got your boy over here, J-Dubs. Kenny G's over here on the microphone, and we are six weeks in. Dude, six weeks. This will be episode six, guys, so thanks for sticking around with us right now if you have been. It's, uh, it's going to be number five, but it is our, actually our sixth. Uh, episode yeah. zero is kind of our dry run. Yeah, that was our, our intro. Fuck it, I don't care. We're still going to call it episode six. Yeah. Just rename everything on, on the websites. But, uh... So this week, uh, we are doing this episode by request to uh, Bobby Palco, our... Uh, shout our, out. Shout out to to the uh, the fan request here. Uh, so we're going to be doing an episode on the grunge scene and uh, try to get us uh, some some nice flannel shirts. Flannel is out of season. It is out of season. But in plaid every store. is always in. Plaid is always in. So, you know, we went and we got us... Uh, we got some uh, some flannel. I feel like colored I can, stuff. This is gonna be something I'm gonna do. Like whenever I was in my mid, whenever I was in my early twenties, whenever I go to a bar, I'd be like, I'm gonna put on this nice little flannel. I'm gonna put on this nice plaid shirt or this nice button up. Now I have a nice button up to go out again, even though I yeah, don't go out anymore. Yeah, it's all right. If I go out anymore, it's like <clears throat> to a shitty dive bar where there's like one guy there, like honest with the scratch off lotto ticket, and I'm like the only one. Yeah. Well, now now you can go out with Colin Thompson. No, because he wears flannel all the time. Yeah. So you just hang out with them. You guys could be friends. Or a plain black shirt. Plain shirts or, or flannel. That's it. Yeah. Shout out to Colin Thompson. <laughs> he is a good guitarist, though. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. But yeah, anyways, guys. So we're talking about uh, grunge. It's uh, It was quite the movement. And uh, as soon as you know the 80s let out, uh, it was the intro into the 90s. You know what I mean? It, the thing about grunge, too, is when it... Well, <clears throat> so I guess the, the, the point we're looking at is whenever Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana came out. That's, I think that was the pinnacle. That was it. That was uh, that that's was whenever top. grunge was here because before that you had hair metal and Michael Jackson at the top of the charts. Yeah, and then after that hair metal died, Michael Jackson. I mean, he's still he wasn't as dominant as he was afterwards. I mean, Michael Jackson owned the eighties. Yeah, not so much in the nineties. No, no, yeah, not really. I mean, with publicity, he did. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, but yeah, for those of you guys who never listened to grunge, uh, it in itself is, I mean, it became its own genre. It was, had these kind of sludgy, like, you know, deep tone, kind of faster paced guitar stuff. Not always. There's a lot of slow stuff too, but they had this, um, kind of raspy singing. Um, everybody wore flannel. It literally became a fashion statement. Um, everybody had them. Rip jeans. Rip jeans. Converse. They, Converse. Plain, plain Converse. Dirty hair. Fucking, you know, it was, that was of the scene, man. But grunge came in and, yeah, like you said, you know, hair metal was in, in the 80s. And I think once, I think personally speaking, Nirvana's like responsible for murder in that scene, man. They, they really put hair metal to shame. Yeah, but there are a lot more grunge bands out there than Nirvana. Um, I actually was looking at Loudwire's uh, top ten um, rated grunge bands that they had made, and I mean Nirvana was at the top of the charts. They said it's hard to argue that Nirvana isn't the best grunge band of the nineties. <clears throat> no, no, no. I I one hundred percent agree. But I look at a band. Uh, there's a lot of bands that I think get overlooked in the grunge scene too, or bands that maybe get grouped into that grunge scene. That yeah, they were Seattle bands, but they weren't necessarily grungy. They weren't a grunge band. They, they maybe lyric like Alice in Chains is one that like lyrically, yeah, maybe like some of the same themes that you see in other yeah, grunge were, bands. Like 
you know, like depression and like self doubt and stuff like that. Because that's that is a recurring themes in grunge. I think they were uh, number four on that list. I don't really see them as a so much as a a grunge band though. Yeah, they were they were different. Uh, they weren't so much in that genre, but at the same time, they kind of were. They were had that. To me, they were just a little too heavy. Same Her- heroin addicted lead singer and that raspy voice. I mean, that's true though. Like, yeah, if you whenever you, people talk about grunge bands, they say, uh, okay, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and Stone Temple Pilots. Eddie Vedder is the only front man still alive from any of those bands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Cornell wasn't an overdose. You know what I mean? But you had two heroin overdoses and two suicides. Yeah. And, uh, I was listening, um, oh, geez, uh, what was the band I just told you? Something Mother? Mother Love Bone. Uh, Mother Love, they, the lead singer literally died, uh, I think they said it was like two weeks before their first CD actually dropped. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. And it, it was a drug overdose, same deal, you know what I mean? But, um, I don't know, maybe that fueled their rage, you know what I mean? But, uh. Mother Mother Love Bone is responsible for Temple of the Dog, which in turn is responsible for Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah, they were uh, <clears throat> two two of the members from Pearl Jam were in that band, and after they, you know, died out, like, they they recorded, they made Temple of the Dog as a tribute to the lead singer Mother Love Bone, and then that's where they found Eddie Vedder because Eddie Vedder wasn't really doing anything before. Like I'm sure he was around like the local music scene, but Eddie Vedder was kind of just no one knew who Eddie Vedder was. Yeah, then he did Temple of the Dog. And then, you know, a year later, they go and make 10, which is one of the most groundbreaking, you know, grunge albums, yeah, rock um, albums ever. Hell, I mean, everybody knew who they were at. I mean, uh, so many singles were on that album, you know what I mean? And then by the time, like, Jeremy came out, like, that song, everybody knew who Pearl Jam was then, you know what I mean? Yeah, by then. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, dude, this Eddie Vedder, this, yeah, I definitely know these guys. But, um, you know, we're talking about this time scene that was, like, let's say, like, late 80s, if you will. Like, you know, 86, 87. Um, that really started it. That's whenever you have bands like the Melvins and the Pixies. And that's that's cool. See, I never took the Pixies as grunge either. You know what I mean? They they were very different uh, in their sound. Like, But I guess, yeah, I mean, they definitely classify themselves. Uh, Kurt Cobain actually said in an interview um, that the Pixies' early stuff from, like, the mid-80s, was like he that's what that's kind of the sound he was trying to emulate with smells like teen spirit yeah like that was his influence that's sweet was the pixies okay see so, i didn't know that yeah that's something that so that's and he also really liked the melvins too so that's why whenever people talk about grunge i'm like the the pixies and the melvins are like the godfathers yeah they they started they, they were that influence uh the melvins i was just actually listening to them today um they're a little heavier than you know i thought they were um but the song honey bucket if you listen to that song by the Melvins, you can literally hear the riff to Negative Creep in there. It's that... Like, it was... I thought it was almost the same thing. You really? Know? You know, I was like, wow. I've but never... he, had, he had that slide kind of deal. Yeah, you should check it out. Um, if you compare those two, you can definitely see where the inspiration came from for that album. Um, you had a lot of other bands in there, too, like the Screaming Trees. Uh, they were a little different. Screaming Trees are different i i didn't i never really listened to him to be honest um like i said you know i was checking out these just these other grunge bands i never got into i'm sure everybody's heard of the ones we, we you uh, talked about i but. i really um i really enjoy l7 
I haven't heard them. Yeah, you, you were mentioning them. You, yeah, good. Did you ever play Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? Yeah. Okay, the song Pretend That We're Dead, that's an L7 song. Okay. So I'm sure you've heard that one. Probably driving around shooting yeah. some cops. Yeah. For sure. Um, Mud Honey, they were another good one. Mud Honey, and that was the, the, big, the big thing with grunge was it was these bands that were signed to Sub Pop. Okay. Because Soundgarden, Nirvana, and Mudhoney were all signed to, to Sub Pop. So after Nevermind gets released, people are trying to find the next Nirvana. And Sub Pop already has Soundgarden, and they already have Mudhoney. But then people are going up to Seattle, and they're, you know, pulling these... They find these Pearl Jams and these Alice in Chains. And they're just trying to find the next big thing, you know? It, it was weird because at that time of music you know what i mean that between let's say like 87 to 95 like seattle became the new mecca you know what i mean that was yeah, where bands where were coming were out you wanted that sound that's that's where it and the way we were at. talking last week about how new york city was if you wanted a punk band you'd go to cbgb's new york like yeah in in the 90s it was if you wanted a new rock band you're going to seattle to find somebody yeah uh, you know was it was it the the scene there you know like it has to be the stupidest thing though that you know think about it. The year is 1990. You want to go to a, your friend wants to go to see Nirvana. They're playing at this theater, and then across the street there's Pearl Jam playing, and three blocks down the street, you know, Alice in Chains has a show, and you're getting in for like a cover charge of like fifteen dollars. Yeah. And uh. And in two years, all those bands are going to be selling out arenas. Yeah, that's that. That, that was the cool part, you know. Uh, they were another people, just like the punk rock episode we talked about, like. Uh, Kurt Cobain didn't like the whole pedestal rock star deal. Like, he didn't want to be above anybody else. Like He didn't want to be famous. And No, yeah. And I guess you see where that took him. Yeah. You know? Um, but, I mean, I'm definitely going to get into some Nirvana talk because uh, that band just opened up the world for me, man. They, uh, they, I think they did for everybody, really. Nevermind came out, and nobody... Nobody listened to Bleach, you know what I mean? They yeah. didn't they didn't know who Chad Channing was and uh Jason Everman. Yeah, they didn't you know, they didn't know that they existed before then, but um I don't know. Like I think there was two different sides of grunge, you know what I mean? There's like your kind of your super heavy badass boy kind of deal and then you got your slow other songs that are like way more mellow, way more chill. But they still had that same vibe, uh, like like you said. Yeah, the lyrics a lot were about depression and just life experiences and stuff. You know, self doubt for sure. Nirvana, I hate myself and I want to die. Like that's the literal song name. <laughs> Doll know? parts by Hole. Yeah, Hole was another big one. Um, it's sad to say, but uh, like I don't think Courtney Love actually came out of Kurt Cobain's shadow until like '96. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's when they really started to get noticed because. I mean, her husband was the lead singer in Nirvana. It's kind of hard to top that at that time. And and I mean, you know? even Nirvana gave Dave Roll his start, and now he's like one of the biggest musicians in the world. Yeah, drummer extraordinaire. Everything extraordinaire. Honestly, I, he's a better drummer than I, I. I feel that he's a better drummer than a guitarist. Yeah, and that's uh, not even. I think he's a good guitarist. I just think that he's phenomenal on drums. Vocally, too, that guy is just out of here. What is it? Monkey Wrench? That whole last verse, he sings that in one breath. It's, it's and he's stunning, the local boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool, man. You know? like, But he definitely knew what was going on, so he went out there, and he's like, hey, guys, what's up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, we got a lot into Nirvana, you know, uh, definitely in high school, but 
in the Kurt Cobain journals, uh, like he talks about meeting Dave Grohl and he was going through a tough time. I think it was around like 91, 92. He was writing and saying that this is it. Like Nirvana's done. We can't find another drummer. Blah, 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 blah. It would have been like 90. Yeah. And then the following page, he's like, oh my God, we, we met a new drummer. And his words exactly were, this guy plays the drums like he's beating the fuck out of somebody's heads. And you go in and you listen to these drum beats that Grohl put out, dude. And they're like, it's exactly like he said. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you want. There's so much energy there, man. Like, so much energy. And that, that was part of the grunge movement man like everybody was like fuck yeah like you know they they said fuck glam you know they yeah. did away with like the the stage show bullshit the the costumes and hey dude we're here to fucking play music yeah i i'm i'm i got more into soundgarden later on uh nirvana was like my gateway but then then from there soundgarden um stone temple pilots all those ones stone temple pilots they're like the weakest one to me. Yeah. The weakest link. And that's again, like they had some hits, but I think what is it? Um Dead and Bloated literally has like fifteen words in the entire song. I don't know that one, but I'm gonna have to listen. The one that I am smelling like a rose that somebody left me on my birthday deathbed. Oh yeah. That's all he says in the entire song. Yeah. And then he has like that little part in the middle and that's it. Like And they went through so much change too, because they had Scott Wyland, then Chester Bennington. Then Scott Wyland again, and it was just horrible. They're, they're, whenever they came back in like 2000, no. They had Scott Wyland, broke up, got Scott Wyland again, got Chester Bennington. Uh, ah, there was a weird time frame there. I don't remember. I just remember in like 2007, they got back together, and they released some songs, and they were not good. Yeah. And it's weird, too. Their first album, Core, Rolling Stones voted that. Rolling Stone Magazine voted like the the worst new album of the year like most overrated album and like the fans of rolling stone vote like the best new album so the critics and the fans completely disagreed on that that's something you gotta i i mean i i like core i think it has good songs on it. Yeah. i think cracker man's a good song uh dead and bloated is a good song but 15 words yeah but yeah critics aren't always people who but that was part of Grunge's things too. They yeah. didn't care. Yeah, they didn't give a fuck. No. Like, I don't care what you think about me. Like, I'm still up here playing this shit. You're still listening to it. Eddie Vedder wrote one time on a concert, wrote like pro choice on Carmen and Sharpie. Yeah. Nobody cares. And like, yeah. that's how, I don't know, you know, st stemming from like the punk scene, like nobody gave a fuck there either. You know what I mean? So, like, you got to keep that vibe alive. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's getting all offended about this and that. And it's like, dude, you guys grew up like with some pretty hardcore, not give a fuck people. Pretty and, hardcore drug addicts. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they were open about it. You know, nobody yeah. gave a shit. Um, I think everyone knew. I mean, everyone knew too that everyone knew Lane Staley was, if you watch um, the MTV live and unplug with Alice in Chains, Lane Staley is wearing sunglasses in a dimly lit building because he's just, strung out so bad if you listen um to alice and change music you can literally see the progression of when he got really into heroin mm -hmm. especially with his singing um you know you got a lot of like slower played songs um yeah like their last album their last one with lane staley at least uh the self-titled one with the three-legged dog on the cover you, that, that has songs like heaven beside you on it which is nothing like anything you heard on dirt yeah like like the song Nutshell, like 
That was Jar of Flies. They recorded that one in six days. Yeah. <laughs> no shit? Yeah. Oh. It was a seven-song EP. That's sweet. I Stay Aways on that one. It, it was actually the, the best-selling uh, EP of all time when it came out. That's cool. They just did their... See, they, this is why I need you here, because you got all these dumb facts that they, I don't they did know. Their, they did their tour uh, for Dirt, but I believe... I don't want to say... I might be wrong on that, but I remember... So they kicked their bassist out, and they were just kind of... They, they kicked him out, like, mid-tour or right before the tour. And then once they got back, they just went up into, like, a garage... A studio above someone's garage. I forget who it was, and they recorded that in, like, six days, and... That became the best-selling EP of all... I think it was the first EP to go... I don't want to... No, I'm not going to misquote my... I'm not going to say something that's wrong, but I know it was the best-selling up until that point. Yeah. When it came out. Yeah, that's awesome. And, like, uh, you know, these guys were... People didn't have, like, super a lot of cash. Uh, one of the things, like, I was reading is... And it's true, but a lot of the bands that were part of that grunge scene, like you said, they got overlooked. You know what I mean? They didn't really get popular until... The band was already set and gone. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's other. I mean, you have the the ones we talked about, but then the smaller ones like uh, L7, the Pixies, and Dinosaur Jr. are like the the ones that they had a hit song or two, but they never made it. Made it. You yeah. know what I mean? And now you get people who are into the scene nowadays, and they're going to go look for that shit. They go back and they're like, you know, Dinosaur Jr. was big when I was in high school, and like that was that was kind of you know quite far away from that time era and. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of them, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay, cool, Dinosaur Jr. The Pixies were, I mean, the Pixies were big because they had a song in Fight Club. Yeah, everybody knows where is my mind. Yeah, I've gone out to so many open mics and I've played that, you know what I mean? People Um, are nuts. Yeah, like as soon as you start playing that lead riff, everybody's like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, it's a good song too, man. And it's it's neat to see a band like that get noticed because of a movie. And that's a, a lot of times all it takes you got to have some dude who's writing a movie who's really into, like, some indie fucking <laughs> undercore <laughs> shit, and, or underground, rather, and bam, there you go, dude. Here's the, your money, motherfucker. The Breeders were another one. They weren't really that grunge, but there were some elements of that. I mean, the uh, the lead... Oh God, I don't remember her name. The lead singer slash bassist of the Pixies was also the lead singer. No, not lead singer. The bassist for the Pixies was the lead singer of the Breeders. Okay. But I can't I've never think listened of to the Breeders. You've heard the song Cannonball. Okay. I, I, if I, I play... Came in like a cannonball. That's Miley Cy- That's Miley Ray Cyrus. Oh. Hannah Montana. Oh shit. Molly is it? Cyrus. <laughs> Shout out to Stitches. Yeah, dude. I hope you're out there. Come listening. fight me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. So I mean, dumb question, but you, what was your favorite grunge band? Oh man, because my my tastes have changed so much. Let's see. There's always a, a mentioned before. Nirvana was one of my favorite was like my favorite band for a long time, but now probably Soundgarden. Yeah. Yeah. So Cornell is pretty big in your in your book. I think Cornell is one of the top five vocalists of all time. Yeah, yeah. He had a, a range. You know what I mean? And he had a very definitive voice. You can hear him. From his he, Chris he, Cornell, he has probably solo shit. one of the most unique. He probably has the most unique voice of all time. But he could actually sing, and he could sing yeah. well. Oh, man, Soundgarden. Yeah, Soundgarden definitely. Yeah, Soundgarden. Allison Chains would be probably number two. Yeah, but I don't really consider. I don't really consider either one of those bands to be like a true grunge band, though. 
Yeah. I'm gonna definitely say Nirvana. Yeah. There's Straight elements up. there's elements of grunge to those bands, but to me they're not a true grunge band. Yeah. They didn't they didn't have that, that trashy grittiness, you know? No. I mean Lane Staley did though. <laughs> As a person he was pretty grungy. Uh but um I got into Nirvana uh like I said, um my cousin had died. I never really listened to him, and it was like his favorite band. And I actually got a couple albums. And dude, like when I listened to it, I was like, dude, these guys are fucking sweet, you know? Here they've been around for fucking ever. But I got really into them and started studying them and stuff, and just stupid stuff they did. It's cool to watch bands like that come up, you know what I mean? Because he loved playing shows in basements. Like they played shit in like the most oddball type of venues, you know what I mean? They didn't really like to be up on a pedestal on a stage in front of a crowd, but. Like in the um, the box cut uh, with the lights out, or box set, excuse me, I said cut, uh, but they had that DVD, you know what I mean? You watched some crazy shit. Like one of my favorites was they were in somebody's house practicing because they had no practice space and didn't have enough money for a microphone and PA system, so Kurt's literally playing against the wall and yelling at it to get that echo to come back at him. And that's, you know, innovative is all fuck. Yeah. And we're talking about a band who, they would break their equipment, like, at the end of every show. You know what I mean? I was at um, the Hard Rock Cafe in Boston, and they actually had one of Kurt Cobain's, like, Smash Stratocasters, like, framed. They, they have one in New York, too. Really? Yeah. It's nuts. But one of the things I had read Well, is, he had that Frankenstein guitar, yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to say, he would smash his guitars and then take the working pieces from each show and make a new guitar out of it because he couldn't have the money for a new guitar yeah. he actually whenever they early on i remember it's probably one of the picture books i have them but he he broke a guitar and then they had to play three shows without him he didn't have a guitar for like three shows he had to like borrow one oh because he didn't have one yeah i mean hey we're doing? nirvana we're gonna be open up for you guys by the way can i borrow your guitar because i i broke mine last night oh, how'd you break it i i fucking slung it into the drum set <laughs> <laughs> Straight smash. I just it on the threw ground. it as hard as I could into the wall. What are you doing breaking your guitar if you don't have money for another one? I don't give a fuck, man. Can I borrow yours or not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, I don't know. It was a movement, you know. Uh, I think, personally, they, they kind of got away from that whole anarchy scene of the grunge, mm-hmm. or I mean the punk, you know. Um, but they still had, like you said, that don't give a fuck vibe. But look at, like, the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit, you know what I mean? They were uh, pre-emo. Yeah, they they predated the emotional scene. They were pre-post-grunge. And I I can't say as much for bands like, like Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains, uh, like Mud Honey. I, I just recently got into listening to them, you know what I mean? But, uh, like, I know Kurt was all about the music first. He did lyrics afterwards. He didn't give a shit. Like, there's written instances. He said he used to just throw together random bits of poetry, fucking write them down on the way to the studio. Like, yeah, we got this song. I don't know. I don't have any lyrics for it. Like, he didn't have a guitar. He doesn't have lyrics for a song. Well, fuck it, dude. Um, Sell the kids for food. Write it down. Yeah. Write it down. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, it was cool, man. Um, I don't know. You got, like, a favorite song from Nirvana? I mean, I really do like I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. Yeah, it's, I really do like that song. It's out there. Yeah. It's different. Uh, Serve the Servants is up there. 
I'm super into territorial pissings. Yeah, I territorial pissing is good. Love that song, dude. So hype, so hype. It, that's that's a song you could do anything to. I remember one of the first times I seen it used in you something. Could, you it could, was on an old DC. No, you can't grab core to it. Fuck yeah, you can. You can't grab core, dude. You kidding me? I just found out about Crabcore last night, and I thought it was the I, greatest thing ever. I could, I could totally do your mom to that song. Oh, She'd love it. Wow. By the way, guys, guys, listen. Um, this is also another special request. My wife says every time she watches this, she can't stop thinking about a certain story that I told her about you. And uh, <laughs> told her how you got your ass kicked at the Emmy's uh, house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she says... Every time she watches the podcast, she sees you talking. All she can imagine is you going all the way to the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kenny comes to me the other day, and he's like, "Hey, dude, did I tell you I got my ass kicked at the Emery's party?" And I was like, "No." And then, you know, I, thought, I mean, I got beat. I was just fucking around. It was me laying on the ground, just getting stomped. And you were so fucking excited about it. You're oh like, my oh, god, dude. it's so funny because I. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Tell it. Oh, it's no. so too good. I made some derogatory comments about um, the well. Me and the one, the me and the youngest one were wrestling, and then I made some derogatory comments about his mother. So he started stomping me, and then definitely said he and was the, fist in his mom. Yeah, and that's uh, like right to the elbow. And then the oldest brother comes over, and I'm laying on the ground, and I'm getting stomped and kicked. Like I'm getting like beaten. And then they both are like, leave him. They start walking away. And then I have one of those bug bracelets on. And I just pulled it up to my shoulder. I was like, all the way to the shoulder. And they were like, that's it. They came back over and started kicking my ass again. <laughs> and they were like, they they said to the middle brother, like, do you want in on this? He's like, nah, man, I'm good. And they were like, okay. And just went back to just whooping my ass. Yo, bro, you want a piece of this shit? <laughs> yeah. Nah, it looks like you guys got it covered. But, you know, that's what happens when you insult your friends. My, my legs were like covered in bruises and hurt to walk for like two days. You were so excited about it, too. Oh, my like, God, because it's so funny. Because that's not even the first time that's happened. It happens a lot. Yeah. Well, it happens probably once a year. You're a drunk asshole. Well, well, you say well, some stupid shit. Well, well me, and, me and one of them will be wrestling around, and I'll start saying some stuff, and then all three of them are like, okay, we're going to kick his ass. And then it's not it's not wrestling anymore. It's literally me just getting stomped. It's like, guys, <laughs> guys, <laughs> hey, can you stop? Oh, dude. Oh, yeah, I just had to, I had to say that. I told my wife we talk about it because that's – too fucking funny. I feel like the world needs to know that. Just you as a person. All the way to the shoulder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're such an ass. I love it. Um, so, do you like ever... Uh, we should get down the back of our t-shirts. Yeah. All the, way to the shoulder. all the way to the shoulder. That can be our new quote. I'll do that. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, so, going back, you know, like you play a little bit of music and stuff. Like... You said heart shaped box. You could play that one. If if I could at one, I could play it on drums at one point. I don't know if I could because it's been so long since I picked up a drumstick. So now, is that something that like you know inspired you to want to pick that up? Like, dude, I want to learn to play this on drums. Or uh, did you already play drums a little I, bit? Before I played that? drums in like elementary school and stuff. Okay, and so then, not on a full kit or like just like snare, just like drumline a, kind just, of stuff. Yeah, like the drumline kind of stuff. But then like that kind of made me want to play it on a. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess whenever I started learning bass, I started learning. I started with Nirvana. Yes. Graduated, re the machine. Nice. And then I did some, you know, I tried to learn some other stuff. 
I tried learning Primus one time, and I was like, fuck this, I'm done. Yeah, if you pick up a bass and you can play Primus, like, dude, you got it made. Go ahead, buddy. You could play bass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's yours? Honestly, Heart Shaped Box was one of the first songs I learned to play the whole way through on acoustic. Uh, when I first started playing, you know, I was looking up tablature and stuff. I still can't read music. i piece of shit. But... Uh, <laughs> I loved it. It was cool as hell. And um, being able to play along with it, you know what I mean, was even cooler. Like, especially I was 15, you know what I mean, when I started playing guitar. And it was something fun to do. Like, it really passed my time. It really inspired me, like, to want to learn to play guitar. Like, listening to his music was something that really changed my life. Like, I would have never became the musician I was, honestly, if I didn't listen to, like, Nirvana. They just lit a fire up under my ass man and that's what i wanted to do playing along with uh smells like teen spirit while i was playing it's one of the funniest it's like memories in my head you just raging in your bedroom dude. just going to town man it's fun as hell you know everybody knew that song i mean did so. you did you ever like listen to a lot of alice in chains or anything not as much as as i did nirvana like i mean i have every one of their albums you know what I mean? But Alice in Chains, no, not so much. I got a buddy, Ben, who's really into them, and uh, we talk about them quite often. And I saw them when they came around uh, two year, three years ago, when they were in Warren, like three years ago. They were amazing. What year did Staley die? 2004, but they hadn't actually done anything since like 90, I think their last tour was in like 95 or 96. So this, no is, one, no one this actually, is a genre that carried on, you know what I mean? Lane's, it wasn't... Lane Staley, no one even saw him for like the last two years of his life. He was like a recluse. He just, but he just stayed in his house. And the only reason anybody knew something was wrong was his like a personal account and noticed like no money had been taken out of his account for like two weeks. And that's when they, he'd been dead for two weeks when they found him. Jesus. He was ninety pounds. Oh my god. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, talk about wasting away, man. You know, and he, he was so talented too. Yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of shame. But I mean, the emotion there, like, I don't know. It's like if you need some help, you know what I mean. You should reach out. If you're fucked up inside your own head, you should definitely tell someone. But then there's someone like Scott Weiland too, who didn't. He didn't really want help. Yeah, and yeah, most people don't, I guess. So that's that's sad part. But, uh, I think they said the last time that anybody really saw him alive was uh, it was like his nephew, his nephew's birth. He like went and saw his nephew, held him a little bit, and then left, and that was it. Just yeah, sad. And that's the end of something beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, going back to Nirvana. It's it's sad to see that happen because you you got to see what they were becoming. Um, way, way more musically, like they started writing stuff that mattered to them, mm-hmm. and sad to see it go. You know what I mean? Like you're never gonna know what it could have been. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you said, you, we never have bands like the Foo Fighters and stuff. You know, uh, if um, Mother Love Boat never, you know, Mother, ended, if there, yeah, if there's no Mother we, Love Boat, there's we, no we Pearl, never Jam. Had Pearl Jam. Um, you would have had Soundgarden. Yeah. You would have had Soundgarden Nirvana, basically. And Pearl, Pearl Jam 
is the one that they're they're one of the biggest. Well, yeah, of course they're one of the biggest ones, but. I don't know a lot of people who are, like, huge Pearl Jam fans. No, and especially, like, even Eddie Vedder's solo stuff. Like, uh, I was working in Jacksonville, Florida, and we were, it was a, a bar, um, bar slash venue kind of deal, Whiskey River down there, and we had this big sign-up promoting his tour, and it's just Eddie Vedder running on a beach holding a ukulele. <laughs> I was like, said to my boss, Brian, I was like, hey, what the fuck is that? He's like, oh, that's Eddie just frolicking. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I feel um, he he wasn't one of them hardcore badasses. You know what I mean? I feel like Eddie was one of them soft, delicate flowers. Probably still is. But you talk about vocals, man. That guy can belt out some fucking oh, yeah. notes. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's not, even me. that's not even like a slight on Pearl Jam. No. Because I, I would actually, Pearl Jam's probably the second biggest one. Yeah, they're awesome. I, I love Pearl Jam. It's just I don't know a lot of people who are into them. Maybe there's not many, as, as many hardcore fans. I guess maybe everyone's just casual. Because, I mean, if you came to me and were like, hey, man, Pearl Jam's come around. You want a guy? I'd be like, yeah, probably. But, like, I would know if that – like, I almost went to see Soundgarden. Yeah. At the Columbus show, the one – Oh, yeah, you told me that. And yeah. Then Cornell was gone. Yeah. So I was I was planning on going to that one, and then I, you know, didn't. But I was – that was something I was looking for, you know. Yeah. Always be sure if you if you if you see a band coming around, go see them. Yeah, because they might not be around the next time. You never know; something might happen. Like uh, uh, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. I'm super into them. Never got to see them live, and now uh, their lead singer, like this was, I think, two years ago. He got in a really bad ATV accident, and I think they're done. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. no chance I'm going to see them. So now I just sit in my basement and <laughs> play their songs by myself. Like why? You know. Um, one of the things too about grunge, okay, talking about Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder singing, everybody always talks shit on the way that the music was sung itself. Can you understand anything that Eddie Vedder says in uh Yellow Lead Better? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. Actually. <laughs> The only thing I can understand is he says, make me cry right before the guitar solo. <laughs> Made me cry. The whole song, though, I'm like, I have no idea what he's saying. Um, but and that's the other thing, too, with the, those big grunge bands. Like, every one of the... Kurt Cobain was the least talented lead singer of any of those bands. Oh, yeah. By far. Horrible. I mean, just watching uh, the MTV Unplugged. Scott, <laughs> Scott Weiland wasn't, like, blow you away. But, I mean, like, when you have guys like Vetter, Staley, and... Uh, Cornell, yeah. those guys are like, oh my god, that guy's great. And then you hear Kurt Cobain's, and it sounds like molten nails are in his throat. You're like, oh, yeah, dude, what? Whoa, smoke another cigarette, buddy. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, like I said, they're, they're uh, MTV Unplugged set. Like, uh, go listen to uh, uh, In the Pines. My girl, my girl. He's that's like, an old slave. That's actually like an old slave song. Yeah, that's. Um, Lead Belly. Yeah, but it was older than that. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. It's, it's literally like an old slave song. And Lead Belly. Lead Belly was a piece of shit person. But that's that's a topic for another time. That but just, will be... Just remember, everybody, Lead Belly was a piece of shit. And I can't say the the line they had on the Life magazine from like the 30s about Lead Belly. Because it, it, it's, it's racist. But Go Google it. 
Google's there for. A I want. I want that copy of that magazine though so bad. That's crazy. But that was an inspiration. It says bad N word makes good minstrel, and that's on the cover. Holy fuck! America was pretty. <laughs> this is in the this is in the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> that's a touchy subject there, bud. But uh, I know. I mean, regardless, that was uh, that was something that he loved. Kirk Cobain. Yeah, he uh, wanted to buy. Did you? He wanted to buy a lead belly guitar. No, he said he had the chance to buy. Somebody one. tried to sell him one, and uh, he said it was like a hundred thousand dollars. Lead, and it's weird because Lead Belly played on like back in the day, like Stella guitars were like the J.C. Penny brand guitar. Yeah, like department stores had their own brand of guitars, and Lead Belly just played on like a cheap Stella guitar that he bought, like a Sears or whatever. I have an old Stella. I actually have two of them. What are you doing with them? I'm letting them sit in my closet. Why? I don't know. Well, they're, they're not like... Take them out. Learn to play them. They're, what, they're cheap department store guitars. You can do anything you want in this life, Kenny. I can't. Just don't be a fucking bitch. I'm watch, I'm going to be like, I'm going to go sell my soul to the devil now. You should. Be the and next then Robert we Johnson. will be interviewing you and all of your original <laughs> songs. Yeah. Oh, man. And up next on the singles list is uh, Kenjamin Galantine with I Sold My Soul to the Devil. No, guys, I'm serious. I really did it. 15-minute guitar solo. Like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) That was another thing. Grunge wasn't big into the guitar solos. No. Um, And then I talked to, excuse me, I talked to a couple buddies about it. And uh, do you remember Ryan Moore from high school? He told me um, he thinks that was one of the reasons why Nirvana wasn't like, as popular as they were because they didn't have guitar solos. They had like 10 seconds. They had like the real short guitar solo. And they were they were not good. But the thing that bugs me is Kurt could solo. You, he played guitar like really well. Like on those videos, um, oh man, I can't even remember the name of the song. Like he'd just go up and down the fretboard real quick. You know what I mean? And you're like, okay. Like that guy's got dex- dexterity. He's got... The finger strength. He could do some damn solos if he wanted, but I just feel like he didn't see any place in it. Maybe because they're getting away from that 80s big band fucking uh, look how good I can play the guitar The guitarist for um, Soundgarden, I can't think of his name right now, and that's going to bug me because I know it. Steven Tyler? No. He's the lead singer of Aerosmith. Oh, fuck. I'll I should have right had, had a better follow up now. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's like the lead singer of Motley Crue. Yeah. But, he um he he used to do guitar solos and then he got away from them and then when all the grunge bands started not doing guitar solos he started doing them again because he doesn't he doesn't like being a grunge band he doesn't he didn't like the he doesn't even like the term grunge yeah don't fucking classify me as that dude. yeah that's fucked up I mean what are you gonna do at that point you're that big you're deal just, with it you're like I'm trying to differentiate myself yeah I don't want to be them. I mean, do you part ways at that point? You already have a name for yourself. You can make something different. I mean, Soundgarden but... did go away for a long time. Yeah. Soundgarden, Chris Cornell went and did, uh, what the fuck was his name? Audio Slave did That's that for it. a year. He yeah, did that yeah. for a few years. Quite a few. They got back to, uh, they broke up in like 2000, mid 2000s. Then he got back together with uh, Soundgarden. They did the whole Avengers, the song for the Avengers movie. Like the leading track for the Avengers movie, made a new album, 
Chris Cornell did some solo stuff. He actually did solo twice. Yeah, I, one. It was like the Soundgarden one I knew was most recent though. Soundgarden solo work, Audio Slave. Or no, maybe it was Soundgarden Audio Slave. Then he did his solo stuff. Then he did Soundgarden again. Then did his solo stuff again. Yeah, the the one that was the most and recent. And it's it's just so I weird. Mean. It's like when you have that unique of a voice, you could just you could just tell me that Soundgarden, I would never know. Yeah, I actually I, made a Facebook post one day like Chris Cornell voices like on every song played on the radio nowadays. Because you got his solo work, you got Soundgarden, you got Audio Slave, and you got Temple of the Dog. Like, you could literally hear Chris Cornell sing on five songs played consecutively. <laughs> let's just, it's not the same let's band. Just get his, let's just get his... We'll play a game now. we got to play a game now where we just get Chris Cornell stuff and be like, all right, which one is this? Yeah. Soundgarden or not? Yeah. Uh, I'll take solo work? Yeah. No, to Mother. Mother. It's uh, Temple of the Dog. Yeah, sorry, dude. Yeah, you fucked up. But, uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't, I feel, you know, if we were to talk, you know, like we said, punk, like the big question, do you think grunge is dead? I mean. I think so. I think so. Grunge. That is a flame that has been extinguished. What killed it was literally uh, post-grunge because post-grunge was bands like Creed and Nickelback. Yeah. Like the most hated bands on the planet were post-grunge. And I seen them. You know, on that list, like if you Google grunge bands, there's there's an extensive list on there you can scroll down to. But as you get towards the bottom, you start to see bands like that, like Creed and, they're, they're, and Nickelback they're and stuff. Post grunge bands, but like they those... definitely had that singing sound, that same that same vocal like range and tone mm-hmm. and shit. That was all there, like Puddle of Mud, even. You know what I mean? But yeah, Puddle of Mud was post grunge band too. People, the what I'll say about. Uh, Nickelback and Creed though is people rip on those guys a lot but you don't sell 20 million albums being the most hated band on the planet because that's what they've done yeah they've sold like you know tens of millions of albums and everyone's like I hate that band I'm like like fuck you do you probably own a record at home yeah I don't care for them I don't own records by Creed or Nick I, I notoriously make fun of Creed actually um, if you have not done this uh, everybody listening uh, included you need to YouTube Creed Shreds. Oh, you show me that. It is fucking hilarious. Cre- they took a Creed concert and they just dubbed over top of it with a guy twanging on a guitar all shitty and it sounds like a strung out fucking heroin addict singing. He's like, It's like uh, It's like the video on YouTube, Los Lonely Boys Largest Circle Pit. <laughs> Have you ever seen that one? No. Oh my god, it's fucking amazing. Oh my god. But yeah, you're right, dude. Uh, you can't shit on bands like that. No, no. You can. It's funny to shit I on can, Nickelback. I, can, but... I mean, I'll say bad things about Nickelback and Creed. Like, but at the same time, those guys sold tens of millions of albums, and they are more successful than I will ever be. Yeah. So yeah, where's your where's your shit? If I'm Scott Stapp and I hear this, and I'm like, who the fuck is Kenny G? Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's not gonna matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't notice you because I'm so big. Oh, really? My band, my band's like the worst band ever. Uh, where's your fucking platinum record? Yeah. Hey, uh, I just listened to the Busting Heads. Uh, <laughs> that, but that's what the fuck. That's what killed it though. Was those bands? Yeah. They they kind of lost their edge, you know, and people went after that instead. It started. They started to go towards that mainstream, like, hey, let's make money. Deal. It's it's like a there's like a pop, then there's rock, then. Pop and rock are always fighting for who's going to be on top, and mm-hmm. it's just 
every time you got to change a little bit. Yeah. Because pop, you know, you had that 80s sound. You got grunge. And then pop was like, all right, we got boy bands now. And then rock was like, okay, we got Creed. And then pop came back and, you know, your early 2000s, your Britney Spears and like, you know, your the single girl, like Kelly Clarkson and stuff. And then yeah. rock came back with emo and then here, you know. We're in a pop phase right now with Ariana Grande and stuff, and then a few more years will be a rock phase, and who knows what's after that. Yeah, I'd like to see what's coming out. I think, um... Grunge Renaissance. <laughs> we'll be Just... living under bridges in, in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. We should have a concert held there. That would be sweet. But uh... Kurt Cobain allegedly lives under a bridge, so... Yeah. If you guys are unaware, he used to live off of grass... And uh, water drippings from the ceiling. Good song, good song. But uh, I, I think, and I, I would definitely want to do an episode on this. Um, it's another uh, fan request, uh, but from my wife. <laughs> but she said, you know, we should You're talk our about our number one fan, Josh's wife. Our number one fan. Without the love and support of her, I don't think we'd be doing this, Kenny. But uh, she said we should talk about the evolution of music. You know what I mean, like. Take a band when they first came out. And I mean, then, did she want know, to go the whole way back? Because we just no, talked. No. We just talked about how slave songs turned into turned blues into songs, blues songs turned, turned into, into covers fucking, by grunge bands. Yeah, that's pretty evolution. But like, take a band like uh, Black Betty was a slave song too. See, like like uh, like Metallica when they first came out. Like, listen to something like that, and then to what they turned into. You know what I mean? Like bands literally turn into almost completely different bands. Corporate greed. Her. There you go. There you go. Her exact example. She's like, bring me the horizon. There are people out here right now listening to bring me to the horizon who are super into them, who have never heard a single track off of suicide season. If I were to play that to you and you heard it, suicide season is the only bring me to the horizon. Album. You wouldn't like it, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. black and blue. Those well, even, songs are just disgustingly heavy. Even, and then you listen to this shit that all he's singing now, dude, this new single is fucking pop music. There's nothing heavy about it. Even, even then with Nirvana though, bleach sounds nothing like nevermind, which sort of kind of sounds like stuff from in utero. Yeah. They changed every album. Yeah. Alice yeah. in Chains, like facelift first album. And then you listen to Alice in Chains, the last one with Lane Staley. Doesn't sound anything like the William Duvall stuff. Kind of their newer stuff with William Duvall sounds, you know, pretty good. And actually, William Duvall is probably one of the best replacement lead singers ever. Willem Dafoe sings for William Duvall. <laughs> no, Willem William, Dafoe. No, William sings Dafoe. in Alice in Chains. William Duvall, because I remember I was watching, I saw The Dark Knight in theaters. I was driving home and I was like, that was like the best movie I've ever seen. It was like opening night, like The Dark Knight came out. I'm like, that's like the best superhero movie I've ever seen. And they were like, new Alice in Chains. I'm like. Lance Daly's been dead for five years. What's going on here? And <laughs> Whoa, then, Tupac, chill out. And then I heard it. I'm like, holy shit. But a lot of that, too, is Jerry Cantrell. Okay. And their harmonizing vocals are just amazing. And that was that was one of the things, too, though, was... This is... Hold on. Because I always have... Jerry argument, Cantrell and... Something. I always have my argument with my friends. Is it Alice in Chains without Lane Staley? Or is it Jerry Cantrell that makes Alice in Chains? I don't know. I kind of think Cantrell, but... I I always say Cantrell. I've always said Cantrell because he wrote the songs, he played the songs, he and still he sings them. in almost yeah. all of the songs. Yeah. Lane Staley, phenomenal vocalist, but you can't have you can have Allison Chains without Lane Staley. You cannot have Allison Chains without Jerry Cantrell. 
That's, uh, I mean, that's the way America leads, though. Uh, maybe not America, just let's say the world, because uh, a front lean singer, like that front man, is usually what makes that band. That's why they're the front man, you know what I mean? Just the sound they have, but they try to change lead singers because somebody quits. They try to find somebody who sounds but like them. Bands you can, bands you can, the only band I think that has ever existed where you could not replace any of the members is Rush. Yeah. You can't have Rush without Getty Lee. You can't have Rush without Neil Peart. You can't have Primus without fucking... Les Claypool. Yeah. But he's the lead singer. I mean, a lot of bands, when they lose their... Well, it used to be if a band lost their lead singer, they were dumb, but now they usually try and replace them. But see, I think the hard part is you can write down music and you can play anything. You can have anybody... Like, I could teach you a guitar song. You could play it. You know what I'm saying? But you can't have have that same... Without Kurt Cobain. You can't have that same vocal range. You know what I mean? You can't... It's... It'd be hard as fuck to hit those same exact notes every time. You can't have Soundgarden without Chris Cornell. Yeah. You can't have anything without Chris Cornell now. You can't... Yeah, there's like five bands we can't have. Uh, Actually, allegedly, though, and I just read this, apparently there's like 30 unreleased Audio Slave songs out there. I bet they're released. <laughs> we just like we I, just I guess to... I think it was Tom Morello said that there was like thirty unreleased audio slave tracks. Like mm-hmm. Audio Slave could release three more albums with just stuff they have recorded. They've never released. That's crazy. Nirvana stuff, all of it got released. Yeah, all the B sides, all the B sides, everything. And that was cool as fuck. You gotta be really into them to listen to some. That's of that why shit. I have two copies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gave one to my brother because I got a second one. Yeah, dude. I got one for Christmas, and then the other one I saw at a flea market for like five bucks, and I was like, fuck it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. At this point. I have an addiction to buying CDs, though. It's okay, dude. We'll get you some help. I'll buy you some MP3s. I'm going to start like blending them and just injecting them into my veins. Yeah. I'll be like, I am the Biggie Smalls now. (laughs) (laughs) He's in my veins. Life after death, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I say that a lot, don't I? Hey, but, um. But, um. But, uh. But uh, it's just, sometimes I just lose my train of thought. I'm like, wait, well, we were, we were talking about this. But grunge is, uh, I think for everyone who grew up in the 90s or everyone who was a teenager in the 90s. It's always going to have a place in your heart. At some point in your life, you stop listening to new music. And I'm almost to that point where I, like, something new comes, like, something will come on. They're like, this song's 10 years old. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And, I, you know, I'm getting to that point. But I mean, like. That stuff to me, that's like home. Yeah, that's some you like always my, go back to. It all I always go back to it. I mean, I can put in, I can put in bad motor finger anytime, and I'm just like, oh, dude, Jesus Christ, post and listen to that. Or, you know, I throw in uh, Super Unknown, which just an amazing album. Soundgarden, Super Unknown. Don't know it. Black Hole Sun's on it. Okay, well I know that one. Super Unknown, <laughs> um, Limo Wreck. That's that was their best selling album. Yeah. Uh, it's just that that album, uh, uh, man. Always brings me back home. Yield it's, by it's, Pearl Jam. I liked Yield better than I did Ten. Yeah. But that was personal preference. Yield was ninety four. I think it was the follow up actually. Yeah. Think about how old those albums are. Twenty five years. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> nuts. It's like uh, me and my wife were just talking. Three Tears for Sweet Revenge just turned fifteen. What? Yeah. <laughs> it makes you realize, you know, you're getting old. But at the same time, you've got some stories to tell. You've got some shit to show. You know what I mean? Like, that's I can't wait till my kid, uh, you know, he's six now. 
he you know starts to get like you know 14 stuff like 15 i'm gonna show him some fucking music that i used to listen to his age you know like dude check these guys out because he's he's in the music he's always dancing like he's really into like he likes techno stuff um Imagine Dragons, I would say, is probably one of his favorite <laughs> bands. He loves the song Believer because there's so many videos of it on YouTube, uh, whether somebody put Believer over top of Five Nights at Freddy's or Minecraft or something like that. So maybe I should just put some Nirvana over top of that shit and then let him listen to it. All right, this is my cannibal corpse over... Uh Hey, buddy, wants to fuck by a knife? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Dad, thanks. But uh, that's 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 what happens, man. Like I told you, like one of the first times I'd ever heard Territorial Pissings was on a DC skate vid. Never heard the song before. I was like, wait a minute, I have this album, and I went and I think it's like track seven. Yeah, and I was like, Jesus. I used to know this song's I, awesome. At one point, I could probably tell you whatever if you were like, hey. What number is uh, what number is heart shaped box? Three. I'm like three. Yeah, on in boy. utero. Yeah. Or if you're like, hey, what uh, which one is uh, what's Polly? What's that on? Never mind. I'd be like, uh, I can't. I don't know it now. But eleven. I have to say, I think it's eleven. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's it's way later on there. But, Something uh, in the way is the last track on the album. Yeah, number twelve. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy to think about. I didn't know I still had that ability. Yeah, you yeah, because you listen to it. So you listen many to it so times. many times, and like. Whenever I got into it too, it's not like I just had an iPod where I just press play and would shuffle. Yeah. I had like a Sony, like twenty dollar Walmart CD player with like the anti skip that like if you bumped it wouldn't skip, but it still skipped anyway because that yeah. was. But so like you'd sit there and you just have to remember you'd look, you'd be looking at the back of the album and be like I want to hear this song, and you'd skip ahead. Yeah. I um, I take for granted that, you know what I mean, especially with the technology we have mm-hmm. nowadays, like, at the time that vinyls were fucking huge like if you want to listen to that song you better find it <laughs> you know what i mean we never had to do that shit you no. know you could still listen to vinyls today and well still no the same because kind of deal, but i mean whenever i was real little we had, we didn't have a cd player we had a cassette so like i you just hit fast forward until yeah. you got close oh you're yeah, like, you're right you're like shit i'm part way through the song let me go back a little bit yeah rewind play i forgot all about cassettes how the fuck did i do that i don't you're retarded i don't yeah. know <laughs> uh this is kind of funny um uh, but we, should, we need to stop being so hateful on this podcast dude it's all right wait till we uh get big wait till we, yeah wait till we get big and then everybody actually hates us like, yeah. Well, no, we have to get big. We'll have 500 episodes, and then people will dig through all the way to the beginning to find the stuff that we said, the hateful things we said. Yeah, and then next thing you know, I can't run for Congress anymore, and I'm going to be upset about it. Um, but this is off topic, but going back to what we said about the uh, uh, the vinyls and stuff, uh, Tom Petty, on one of his albums, like on the CD, he actually... I think it was like halfway through. Let's say like track five. I don't know what it was. He goes, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the part of the album where anybody listening on a cassette tape would actually have to take it out and flip it over to the other side. So for the sake of those guys, we're going to take a minute. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and then like, that's actually on the end of one of his songs. Like, I thought that was cool shit. You know what I mean? He awesome. mentions back to that, you know? Don't forget where you fucking came from. Yeah. You know? But, uh, guys, I think that's it for today. Um... What's your favorite? Tell us in the comments. What's your favorite grunge band? What's your favorite grunge song, grunge album? 
ripped pair of ripped jeans, ripped flannel. What do you got? Yeah, what, what's your favorite cotton flannel to wear? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Colin, but, um, Colin, where are you at? Once again, shout out to Bobby Palco for the request. Um, if you guys live in the area, you should definitely go out and check out his shop. Boxcar Cigar out in Volant, PA. Uh, very cool. Very they also cool have place. Durrell Distillery right next door. Yes, and he makes uh, his own whiskey. Yeah. He's a cool dude. That was yeah. our art teacher, man. Yeah, pickle That's... whiskey and stuff, too. Weird flavors. Yeah. Very exotic. So get out there. Shit. Check him out, guys. He's really cool. Uh, once again, shout out to Lolo Company Designs for our awesome new tumblers. Um, if you guys are looking to buy some of these... Or some T-shirts, please uh, let us know. We will definitely get them out to you. We we're gotta, we're gonna try and get an order in pretty soon. Yeah, we got to get a production order before we sit them down in front of anybody. I have so. to know how many I need to order. We'll do like a thousand. I don't think she can keep up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think my wallet can either. <laughs> no. <laughs> but all right, guys. Uh, please be sure to give us a like, subscribe, hit that bell, share. Share the yeah, shit out hit, of this. Hit the bell on YouTube to stay notified. Yeah. Let us know when you we we try and upload them every Monday. Sometime between Sunday and Monday, we record these Sunday night and. So every weekend, guys, check us out. Facebook.com slash extraordinary expletive. It's our main social media page at the moment. But uh, Twitter is coming next week. We're gonna have a Pornhub account too. <laughs> Next week, we will be having uh, Mr. David Busco from the band Wanderer. Uh, you guys should definitely go check him out on Facebook, his band camp, uh, Wanderer PA. Yeah. And uh, they're also up on SoundCloud, and they are also on Spotify, too. So check them out, guys. They're pretty fucking awesome. I'm going to be really excited to interview that guy. Uh, get, to, <laughs> get to hear some cool original music, too, man. They're yeah. awesome. So, All right, guys. Stay tuned. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you.